This is the Canopy Life Podcast. We are a community of people who are joyful, generous, and stubbornly hopeful. We believe beauty, belonging, and innovation can change the world. And we are committed to a future where Kenyan children lead the way out of poverty. Our guest today is Lauren Hildebrandt. Lauren is the missions pastor at Twelve Stone Church. He oversees all missions locally and internationally. He has extensive experience in pastoring people and is on the podcast today to discuss community and value-based missions. Welcome to the Canopy Life podcast, Lauren. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to be here with you guys. Yeah, Christy told me a snippet of information that is a fun piece of information before we jump into our interview. You guys share a birthday. And oh, I was going to surprise <laughs> you with that, but yes, but we do. the fun part, the reason why it came up, I have a son that's due on April 10th as well. Isn't go, that so, crazy? Go, go. Yes. <laughs> so I had a connection to it. That's I was, why it seemed relevant. Yeah, I was going to let you know that there is actually the best birthday out of 365 and then every fourth year 366 there is a best day and it happens to be april 10th so, love it yeah. I, I agree with you uh, and i bought into <laughs> the that day. Yes. yes there you go earlier would be okay too <laughs> Yes. That is so a fun you piece. guys, uh, you guys met. How did you find out you had the same birthday? Where did you meet? Why are we sitting here today? So uh, in February of 2012, I took a pastor from Blueprint Church in Atlanta. His name's James Robertson to Africa to go uh, teach pastors in Uganda and Kenya. I at the time was working with an organization called Helping Hands Foreign Missions, and. James was excited, and he said, hey, I got a friend from Blueprint Church. She lives in Nairobi. Do you think we could see her? And I, sure. And so the first time I ever saw Nairobi was with Christy, and uh, that was February of 2012. So nine right. years ago, that's well, so that hard crazy? to believe. And I mean, that was, I had just started traveling uh, about a year before that, and so I was still in that awe of seeing everything in the world that's so different than what we experience mm, here. Yeah. And Christy was so patient with us, took <laughs> us around, showed us Nairobi, and I think we went to Java House or We did some places. shopping and yeah. some restauranting. I think y'all were wrapping up before you moved on. We were, flew, well, this home. was, uh, I think we were headed home. Yeah. And yeah. so it was kind of like the conclusion of a two-week yeah. trip. And Well, and what's crazy is full circle, I was living in Nairobi doing the research and development for what is now Canopy Life. So that's the reason I was living there. I was trying to figure out what this vision was that God had laid on our hearts. And even Abu wandered around with us that day. He's now our campus yes. pastor. Yep. Um, and it's just crazy. Nine years later, you're no longer with Helping Hands. You're now director of outreach at 12 Stone Church. Canopy Life is this living, breathing, physically present vision that's in action. And it's it's crazy to think how far. Yep. And I've been watching f sort of from a distance as it, it got started and in some of my other other roles at other churches there was no kind of symmetry that would bring us right. together into the to the same world until i started at 12 stone mm -hmm. and then one of our great 12 stone leaders stacy williams is now on the board with right. 
Canopy Life. And so there were just so many pieces that kind of brought us together. I don't remember when we discovered we had the same birthday. Maybe I Facebook don't either. Maybe or something yeah. like that. It, it was definitely like, wasn't that first day in Nairobi. That's not no, day no, one it, information. Yeah. So when's your birthday? I don't know. You know so no, it was right. I. It was probably Facebook or yeah, something like that. Right. And uh, so we kind of connect every year. Hey, birthday <laughs> twin! Happy birthday! Yeah, yeah. you mentioned that you're a, a Michael Scott fan, so or an Office fan. Yes. In particular, so I think of you know Michael finding out he calls Jan oh, yes. and says, "Hey, happy birthday, Jan! <laughs> it's not my birthday. Oh, that's oh, right. I, I thought we shared, shared a birthday. birthday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that way, and his birthday out. is Eva Longoria's birthday, by the way. So yes, <laughs> nice. which is March 16th, I believe. Okay. So, uh, Crazy. Uh, that was my it. daughter's due date. Oh wow! <laughs> wow, we're just circling the birthday yes. dream yes, right now. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so director of outreach at 12 Stone Church. I'm, I'm assuming there's this role involved with that that has to do with missions, kind of local or, or global missions. I think when people say the word missions, we all have our own picture of what we think that is based on our experience, based on what other people have told us about their experience or based on what we've seen somebody do. So for the context of this conversation, what do you define missions as uh, and, and how did you develop that definition? I would say missions, especially, it, it can't be confined to some kind of a definition because for me, it's been organic. If you were to have asked me this 11 years ago, 10 and a half years ago, I would have said one thing. Now, the way I described it is, I believe it is a compassionate movement with humility. Mm. So it's not compassion in action. It is, but I just didn't want something that was the acronym CIA. Um, (laughs) But, you know, as I think about compassionate movement with humility, it, it really is when Jesus was was standing overlooking all the people and he said they were uh, dispirited and, and they were discouraged like sheep without a shepherd. And says he looked on them with compassion, but he didn't just say, you know, oh, and then walk away. He turned to his followers and he said, hey, those fields, they're wide unto harvest. And now I'm sending you, you pray to the Lord of the harvest, send out workers, and I'm preparing you to be those workers. So his compassion involved movement, but the movement cannot be a movement of arrogance, which is what we have done so often in the Mm -hmm. short-term mission world. Mm. We've come in with the attitude of, I don't remember if it's Mighty Mouse or one of those cartoons when I was a kid growing up, but here I am to save the day. And I was an underdog or one of those, but that was his. His, his saying, you know, here I am to save the day. <laughs> I promise you, mm. so many short-term mission teams have entered into missions with the attitude that here we are to bless you and impact you, and we're just going to tell you how we're going to do this. Mm. And so that's where it's so incredibly important Mm. to have compassionate movement, but with humility, Mm -hmm. because you've got to approach uh, ministries like Canopy Life or whoever we're aligned with as not trying to tell you what you have already done, the research and development to figure out how Canopy Life will impact the the 
uh, souls, families, and communities in Kenya for generations to come. You've done the hard work on that. It's my role in missions to draw alongside of you and say, I align with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Now, how can I help you walk down that path? Man, so much about that. Number one, I love you use the word, and I know we're into like nitpicky nuances now, right? But like, I love the word movement, compassionate movement instead of compassionate action. Also, because it clarifies that it's not about what you're getting done. Movement can be relational. Movement can be walking with people. It, it adds another layer to that understanding of humility. Because even as you talked about, you know, we did the R&D for Canopy Life and I did it with Kenyans. But I'm going to Kenya in a few weeks, probably about the time this airs. And it will literally be to make sure we're still on the same page. What do the Kenyans define as success? Are we still heading in a direction that they think is profitable, not what are profitable for the children, right? An advantage to their the children's future, not just what I think is going to work or not work. There is so many layers of humility that is needed to truly do kingdom work and to put your compassion to movement as opposed to action. Because how many teams have gone on trips and they're like, well, what are we going to get done? Exactly. Right? It's why we call, we've had entire episodes of the podcast about our relation trips is what we call them to try to get people out of this mindset of we're going to go do and we're going to get it done and we're going to check it off the list and feel really good about ourselves and come back. And so often that's done with the, an idea that we know what's best or that doing is what's most important instead of this attitude of being. And I love that movement. The word movement can imply such presence. And that's exact. I Perfect segue. <laughs> because I, I can remember I was in Uganda. I would say it was probably, could have been about nine years ago, mm-hmm. you know, roughly about the time we met. And it, it, I, I had what I thought was inspirational. I've heard this phrase used now since then, but I promise it came to me inspirationally, not like reading a book or something. But I understood the ministry of presence. And the ministry of presence is sitting in the midst of people who are serving and just loving people as they serve. Because those who pour out their lives in the ministry of the gospel on the ground in Kenya or Uganda or Albania or wherever else I've been, they are doing the hard work of the day to day. And when I, and most of all, I've only done short term missions. So I can't equate to, you know, moving somewhere and living there for years or whatever. So I have to think what's the most valuable thing I can do for those who are on the ground every single day that have left home and family, sold everything, sold out, and and they're living in uh, another culture, and they just need someone to sit with them. And so I actually, towards the end of my time at Helping Hands Foreign Missions, that became really a focus was I, I actually took trips to Uganda and the only thing I did that week was sit with the missionaries and hear their stories, not in a counseling kind of way, because I, I, I'm not a counselor, but in a mentor, I just love you and I want to encourage you. I want to teach you uh, what I've learned in the scripture and just pour in. 
And I, I think we lose sight of, especially with short-term mission teams, we've got to go, 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 do, do, do. And, and really, we just sometimes we just need to sit and be still and know that he is God and then share that with those who are doing the day-to-day. That's so good. Can you share your background in missions? <laughs> how, I know it's very varied. Well, and specifically, as you talk about it, how that idea of ministry of presence evolved through that background because the truth is that's really rare it's rare here for people ministering in the u.s we're a very efficient effective high impact bottom dollar kind of mentality and it is really hard even for me it's it becomes harder and harder for me when i go to kenya there's a lot that needs to get done there's an efficiency of action and it's hard to cultivate so i would say that it's fairly countercultural for us to be. It's one of the things we're the worst at culturally here to be present. It's hard to just be present with someone. I've been grateful that coffee culture has grown because I do think coffee it's, culture is one of those places yeah. where we're more willing to be present. But even then, hmm. we've got our phone, our iPad, our Apple Watch zinging, telling us about the 17 other people who would like to have our attention while I'm having coffee with somebody. <laughs> exactly. you know? um, our, we're, it's harder for parents to be present with their kids at night. They're sitting down. Go even even sometimes when my husband and I sit and watch TV again, watching TV, not engaging, but we're both scrolling through our phones and not yep. fully present, even to always. Yep. It's just countercultural, but it is so critical to missional global relationships to yeah. have to develop that. So talk to us about your background and how that developed. Yeah. So uh, you use the word evolved and, you know, the progressive secular stole that word. It's not, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't just apply to what Darwin came up with. It really speaks of movement from a genesis of learning toward something more intense and more involved in your life. So in the summer of 2010, I read the book Radical by David Platt. Up until that point, I'd been a, a pastor uh, in, a, in a denomination for about 14 years. And I had been what I call a go-there pastor. You know, go, the fields are wide unto harvest, go find them, bring them in, you know, go, go, go. And and I would do something, but never did anything uh, missional of any sort, had never been on a global mission trip, nothing like that. And I read that book and God challenged me and changed me from being a go there pastor to being a follow me pastor. And when that happened, I stood in my pulpit and I said, every Monday I'm going to be at the local food ministry and you're going to know where I'm going to be every Monday because I'm going to be there every Monday. Well, that was the fall of 2010. Uh, Late fall, I was taken under the bridge by a, a friend of mine to meet some homeless folks who lived under a bridge in Gainesville, Georgia, where I was living at the time. And it, it opened my world to the reality of of this kind of suffering, this kind of poverty that is not just financial. In Gainesville, Georgia, the people who lived under the bridge were never hungry. In fact, I saw uh, uh, trash cans full of food, but there was a a poverty of relationship. There was a Mm. poverty of, of how to interact with people. There were all kinds of levels of poverty that I look back now, but I'm just in this genesis of learning what it means to care about 
people. And so I made so many mistakes early on. And But at the, the same time that, that I was doing this, God had impressed upon me to lead our church on a trip to Uganda in March of 2011. So I'm coming up on, and I'm going to, I get emotional because my world was transitioned unlike anything I could have possibly imagined. And it just took saying yes. I didn't know everything that was coming, but on March 9th of 2011, I went on my first ever international mission trip and I was almost 48 years old. I'd never been on anything like this. And I encountered God and his desire for my life in a way I'd never even remotely thought about. Came back from that, and uh, it's a story that needs multiple podcasts because I tell long stories because I used to be a preacher. But just know that, that God led me to go work with Helping Hands Foreign Missions. And then the real journey began of discovery. Because I, it, we all enter into short-term mission work with the idea that we are coming to help you. We're coming to fix you. We're coming to do for you. And how do we even measure success on short-term mission teams? Is how many people ready to receive Christ? Raise their hand to receive Christ. How many people, you know, walked forward or whatever? And we were creating this dynamic of expectation that if we didn't get as many this trip as we did last trip, we were less successful. And I just looked at that and I said, something's broken here. Something is, something's wrong when we create an expectation of, of response that isn't built on a, on a heart transformation. And I, we created that culture. We create, that is the American church we can only value what you have done to enter the church by whether you walk down to the front during an invitation and you pray to prayer. And this is how we determine whether you are in the church and in heaven or not. And we just took that and said, let's go out into all the world and do that. And as I evolved in my understanding of missions, as uh, so just to give you some context, that began my world travels and my world experience from March of 2011 until, unfortunately, I came home from my last international trip almost a year ago. It was March 14th. I arrived back into the U.S. Wow. Um, the from Nicaragua. <laughs> oh, they let us through, but the next week, everything... You know, everything shut down. In fact, I arrived back in on the 14th, and we didn't even have church on the 15th. You know, we were, everything was shut down. And uh, in that nine-year period, I have been somewhere on mission around the world 61 different times. There was one five-year period where I added it up, and I was physically gone from home a year and a half out of that five-year period, on average of every seven weeks. So, I say all that to say that accelerated my opportunity to grow in my understanding of what missions 
could be mm-hmm. where if I only did that once or twice a year, I couldn't begin to explore, hey, why are we doing it this way? Or why, what, could, what would it look like if, and, and then it allowed me to be in Uganda one time sitting there where I had watched this place that is called the Village of Eden. I had seen it go from, they hadn't even purchased it, to now sitting on the front porch of this beautiful facility that had been built for orphans and, and for widows and the way that that was all coming together. And that's when God just kind of clarified this ministry of presence and how I can have this this long-term impact in missionaries that are having the daily impact. Well, and what a blessing that, I mean, Evan, you can jump in. Like, it's such a blessing that God gave you that experience because some people, the maximum capacity they have is once a year, once every three years. And so to be led by someone now as the director of outreach at such a missional church to be able to speak all of that lesson into people who only get it, who won't get to question it as deeply, but they get to be introduced to missions with that perspective of ministry of presence. It, it was almost like God took you through a little institute yes. of compassionate movement. And I think that, I mean, Evan, you and I have talked about this a lot. It overlaps. That, that overlaps a lot with the perspective, I mean, to me, of canopy life. I mean, it's, it is our heart to be humble. We have relationships. It's We try our best to present that perspective and let that be the door we open when people come on short trip. Because there is, I think there was a season when the church was coming out of what you're talking about. I mean, there's a lot of the church still in that place. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say that. But there are a lot of churches rec- going through that same realization that you are, that this is not how, this is broken. It needs to be done differently. There's been really great books come out about toxic charity and when helping hurts and becoming whole and um, these books that that guide people into this uh, this healthier perspective. So, Lauren, one thing I love about your definition of missions is it doesn't just apply to somebody who's traveling around exactly. the world. Uh, my wife and I did, took eight months and we traveled around the United States in an RV, and I asked a lot of existential questions out in the physical desert, but metaphorical Mm -hmm. desert as well, kind of on this journey. And my answer to all of my existential questions was loving presence. Mm. And and it just kept coming back to the way that Jesus lived his life, which your definition of missions is, is, I would say, the same answer in different words. Sure. Uh, Being humble and movement and compassion is, is uh, maybe I will actually adopt that to like one a answer to all of my existential questions about life, <laughs> yeah. religion, like whatever it yeah. is. And, and it's quite beautiful. How do you, uh, you're a, you're a pastor at a local church. So I imagine this impacts people, your, your definition of missions, your invitation into this humble movement with compassion. I'm not using your exact that's, words. That's all right. The humble yeah. movement uh, with compassion. Your invitation into missions now doesn't include an invitation to travel to Uganda or to Kenya. It's an invitation for all of us to live a life that I would say is, is like the life of Jesus. I, absolutely. And I, I think what COVID has given us now a year in, and I, I am speaking specifically to the outreach department at 12 Stone Church. What other churches do, what they glean from this, that's up to them. 
So we have already determined we're not sending any teams out even in 2021. Does it feel like things are starting to get better? The vaccine's rolling out a little bit more? Yes, but there's just still too much uncertainty. But the what it's a, what it's giving us a chance to do is to create that that passion and to have a heart of compassion and then help our campuses and our campus pastors and our volunteers understand compassionate movement with humility. I can tell you the last piece of that to come together for me was humility. Hmm. You know, the, the compassion catalyst of 2010 Christine Kane was on the stage at the Gwinnett. I can still almost see her on the stage when she was talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And she said this phrase, compassion isn't compassion until you cross the road. And that's what the Samaritan did was he crossed the road. Well, the compassion, and when you see someone in poverty, be it under a bridge or on the streets of Busia, Uganda, that there is something in you that says, oh, I have a heart of compassion there. The movement had already taken place. I was under the bridge. I was in Uganda. But it was more of a compassionate movement with arrogance of here I am to fix. Uh, I can't tell you, you know, the, the, the idea of healthy giving comes in humility. You feel like when you feel like you're bringing, and I have taken, I can't tell you how many t-shirts into communities in Haiti and, and Uganda, where we've seen this child with this tattered shirt. And we're, oh, I'm going to give them this t-shirt. And it never occurred to me that what I did in that community was I robbed the man who sells shirts of the little village. I robbed mm. him of his opportunity to support his family. We don't, we don't think that way. We think, I see the need. We're Americans. I see the need. I fix the need. So the attitude of compassionate movement with arrogance, it's the same here. But I don't know if you've ever read the book Walking with the Poor by Bryant Myers. He says the poor deserve more than gifted amateurs with their heart in the right place. Hmm. So I think it is our responsibility as a church, but very specifically my responsibility as the outreach director at, at a large church, is that we prepare our people in a discipleship model that gets them ready to be compassionate people who move with humility. And that's, that's our goal is to create that heart. Christy, you know, probably you, I think you feel the same way when you lead people to Kenya to see Canopy Life. Your whole hope and desire is you get return customers. You know, you get people who have such a heart for what you're doing. They can't wait to figure out when they're going to come back. We need to be ready as a church, and this now I'm talking about the general, the, the, the general church to instill in people a passion that, uh, that leads them to want to come back, to lead them to want to come back to the local uh, rehab center or lead them to come back to the local 
pregnancy support center or lead them to come back to the local food ministry. And that when we instill that, there will be some who that's their place and that's where they'll stay. But there will be many who move in a progression from their gateway ministry where they understand and learn what compassionate movement with humility is. And then they take that then to the ends of the earth. So... Um, you, it's funny you mentioned humility was the last piece that fell into place and, and your, your uh, loose definition that's always yes. evolving. <laughs> yes. uh, but it seems, too, in what you're saying, that it's the first piece that moves us to be able to have compassion. It, so so it, it came into place last in this realization on this journey, which I love that you've, you've kind of roadmapped uh, a journey for us using your experience in life to say, it's okay to be at this place and to think missions is this. I, I hear you saying that. Yes. And there is an evolution. There is something more that you you will experience if you continue to bring your heart and bring your mind and bring your soul. First with humility, there's more to this than, than being the Savior. The desire to give somebody a T-shirt is not bad. I don't hear you saying that that desire is inherently bad. But it's, it's going on the journey and it's experiencing and it's thinking and it's uh, bringing humility to the surface and, and saying, I acknowledge that I have this desire to give a child that doesn't have a t-shirt a t-shirt, but what's, what's the real issue here? Like, how can I take a step back and, and suffer with, uh, which is a, a definition I use of compassion. So how can I suffer with this child more than try to bring this child up out of the suffering? And that's uh, what I find in Jesus's life too. He suffered with, he had compassion. He didn't just lift everybody out of the suffering, uh, yeah. but entered into it with them. Because he could. You know, that's the reality is at any point in time, as he looked out over the fields that were wide unto harvest, he could have said, be well. Yeah. But he had a different plan in mind, and we are a part of that plan. And if we ever see a mission as a destination rather than a journey, I even consider, and I talk to people that go on mission with me, when they start to mumble about the eight-hour flight to Amsterdam and then the eight-hour flight to Nairobi or whatever, I, was, I said, rather than see the difficulties in the journey, embrace every aspect of it. And think of even when you're sitting in that seat seven hours later, and you know I think it'll be a long time before they tell us we can't wear masks on planes. So you know, you've been doing this. See that as drawing alongside of someone who doesn't know where their meal's coming from tomorrow. And, and not that you want them to sit, you know, in the, in the middle seat and make them suffer as terribly as possible on the way, but embrace the journey and, and never see what you do as, as a destination, but you see it as a, as a progression of, you know, changing in your life. I also think that when you're talking about compassionate movement and humility, man, I'm just going to write that down and like chew on that till it loses its flavor, you know, which it may not in my, in my, in my experience, it never goes deep enough. You're never actually going to lose flavor on that because out of that process, you have to, it's, it takes such a long time, right? You have to develop such habits of patience, which is another fruit of the spirit um, in order to walk. And I think that's where we're short-term trips sometimes impact people really deeply, but it's how we got into this very efficient, effective version of short-term is because the patience to walk alongside someone in humility um, 
doesn't seem to maximize a 10 day trip or, or whatever, but that's not what God, God didn't. A short term mission trip should be a part of a, a lifelong spiritual maturation uh, or sanctification is the the old school word for it. You know, is this, we're constantly on this journey of spiritual maturity and what uh, uh, 10 days of walking alongside someone in a homeless ministry or in another country will in, if you can do it in humility, will begin the practice of how you return to your family, how you return to serve your neighbors, how you were that humility. And then, and then, are you being called to a deeper level of patience as you understand uh, what people think they need and how you fit into that solution and and how you can be a presence for them as they walk to their own? It it requires such patience. And I, like the Kenyans have a great phrase: "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." You know, but it's far is always slower together Mm -hmm. than the fast and alone but it is a this idea of moving from i think in my opinion and tell me if you agree lauren any kind of missional compassionate movement and humility is one of the strongest tools of spiritual maturing that god can use in our world um in the american world because we're intrinsically individualistic but missional action makes you see a community we're intrinsically selfish and me focused but missional activity teaches us about humility and patience and walking with others so many of the vices of our culture can be addressed through this action of short term long term for a day under a bridge or a week in another country or or um getting involved on an ongoing basis with um a cause that's meeting a specific need it it constantly battles against those cultural vices we have of me keeping everything to myself. It's about me. Um, I think one of my, one of the people I really respect the most had a phrase saying, we have to separate what and how we give from our need to feel good about ourselves. Mm. And that is again, a part of that sanctification and spiritual maturing processes. You move from a mission trip or a mission day or a day serving a service day to a lifestyle, a missional lifestyle, which is, I think, what scares most people from going on their first mission trip. It's like, Absolutely. I don't want to change anything about my current life. Oh. But if they knew the richness in it, the peace that comes from walking in humility and walking as Jesus did, that's what people experience that then makes them want more of it, you know, and it leads into a lifestyle that looks more like Jesus, following Jesus and practicing his way of life. And I just think mission trips, mission days, they're one of the most powerful tools within the American culture for, for the American church to be matured. Yes, I fully agree. I was thinking as you were saying that on you know March 9th of 2011, man, I was so excited. I, but, oh, I was just an infant yeah. that needed to be developed. And, you know, the thing about being an infant is you are really dependent on whoever's caring for you. And that's not a conscious act of humility on the part of a of an infant. You know, you just kind of you're not going to push that bottle away when that's that's what's feeding, you know, that's what's nourishing you not not over a long period of time. And so I but you know, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know until you get past it and you look back and go, "Wow, 
I really did not know a lot of what I was doing, but the willingness to go was there. And, and really it's the step of obedience. You know, it's, it's just when God says, go, I, I, did you ever read the, um, the insanity of God? Uh, it's written by a guy named Nick Ripkin, and he actually spent a lot of years in uh, Kenya as a missionary. And when he was in school, uh, like seminary or Bible college, he and his wife uh, had felt like they were going to go to uh, Africa and serve as missionaries. And they were being interviewed by the board of the sending agency. And um, they interviewed the wife first, and they asked her about her specific call to Africa. And she went on all, you know, about that. And she, when she was in third grade, vacation Bible school and all these things. And uh, then they interviewed him who didn't, he didn't grow up in the church, but became a believer like in college. And, and uh, they said, so, uh, you know, what, tell us about your specific call to Africa. And he said, um, Matthew 28. And they were like, no, 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 no. We want to know your specific call. And he said, my specific call is to go make disciples, to baptize and to teach. That's my call. And if God opens a door for me to go to Africa, then that's where I'm going. If God opens a door for me to go wherever. Um, he left there and his wife was just in tears because she didn't think they would be appointed. But they were appointed. And I, I love that story in that we try to put parameters around God. And even sending agencies try to put parameters around God and say, you know, he's only this or he's only there or you go here, you go there. And even for, even for me, what, when I went to work for Helping Hands Foreign Missions, it started out as kind of pastor development, discipleship training. But it, it, even that kind of evolved in that uh, I became one of the major team leaders of getting people over, getting them back, pastoring them, pastoring the teams. That's, the, that's a part of what we, I think we lose, sometimes we lose sight of is how important it is to pastor our teams. So as we wrap up our podcast today, Lauren, what encouragement would you have for people on this missional journey? I would like to say we're all on it, whether we know it or not, whether we're pre-radical, Lauren, or, or we're traveled for the, for the last nine years, 61 times around the world, Lauren. We're all on this missional journey, if you use your definition, your evolving definition yeah. that you gave us today. What encouragement would you have regardless of where we're at on the journey for the listeners today? I, I think what I, I want to encourage all of us to, to leave with is we are all called to go. How we define go is broader than most of us think it is. The very first mission trip I went on, there was a, an older gentleman who physically could not go, but his nephew was going, and so he paid for his nephew to go. And we talked about, oh, you know, this group of nine from our church is going. And it dawned on me as I thought about Mr. Ben. I thought, you know what? Who am I to make going just about a physical getting and going there. Hmm. And I started thinking through that. Mr. Ben went spiritually because he prayed for his nephew. 
he went emotionally because his nephew was very close to him and he was concerned for him in the travel. There were multiple ways he went emotionally, but he also went financially. So there are physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual, at least four ways to go. And Ben went on three of them, he just physically could not go. If we expand our understanding of involvement and how I am engaged with someone who is going, I am a part of going. Now, the bad side of that could potentially be, oh, that means I don't have to physically go. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I think if we understand missions as something far bigger than just getting in an airplane and flying halfway around the world, um, but it's, it's engaging the, the, all the people who have a heart to serve and how they can all be a part of what we're doing. So Lauren, I know this won't be difficult for you because you use this word a lot, but we end every episode by saying Asante Sana, which means in Kiswahili, thank you very much to all of our listeners. Will you just join us in wrapping up Absolutely. and saying Asante Sana, everybody. Asante Sana. Asante Sana. Hi, my name is Kari, and I'm from the great state of Oklahoma. I love being a part of the Canopy Life story because leaders are being made and lives are being changed. I'm a part of the Canopy Life Village. We are a community of people who are joyful, generous, and hopeful. We believe that beauty, belonging, and innovation can change the world. And we are committed to a future where Kenyan children become godly innovators who lead their communities out of poverty. Thank you for listening to the Canopy Life podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Canopy Life and what we are doing over in Kenya, visit our website, canopylife.org. We'd also like to invite you to join our community. You can do so in one of several ways. One is by signing up to be in our online community called The Village. Another way to get involved, you could go on a trip to Kenya if you'd like. We call those relation trips. And to find out more about our trips, go to canopylife.org trips. The other way you can get involved is by sponsoring a child. If you'd like to learn more about our child sponsorship opportunities, visit canopylife.org sponsorship. Subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on new episodes. And if you have a second, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your review goes a long way in helping us reach new people. Asante sana. Asante sana.